0: Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Together, we welcome you to the Butterfly Forecast.
1: Smooshy.
0: So, Smooshy, I have been thinking a lot about something lately, and you're always asking me about... Patterns and trends. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this trend that I have been tracking since I have been living in the States for like the past 20 some years. And I wondered if not only you've noticed it, but what you think about it. Mm. And what I've been observing, and it really struck me like when I came back to the States, it was happening in little percolations around the country, but this is what it is. Do you notice that all of a sudden people are not only acquiring what they need to acquire with, you know, survival things, food, what they wear, shelter, but there's this quest to do it yourself, create, more creating than I've ever seen in my lifetime and more creating amongst everybody Everybody was in a band or thinking about recording something or had written a song or they were making their own clothes or they were suddenly, you know, do-it-yourself soap or they're blogging about something else that they've done, the best pumpkin muffins in the United States. And they always term it that thing. This is the best
1: and then fill in the blank. Mm. Have you yes. noticed that? Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was a thing until you just said it. I just thought that's what people always do. But you're right. No. There's this whole new maker maker culture. Mm-hmm. And first, when I
0: started to see it, my first fresh curiosity was, Oh, does this mean we're going to be going more and more as a culture into survival? Mm. Because if we're going to be doing less prosperity, people are going to be adding additions to their houses, creating, you know, uh, redoing parts of their homes. They're going to quest for things that keep them at home very engaged in something creative and also something that shows their excellence. And, um, Mm. I was just thinking about this idea of being creative, but the act of creating. And I was wondering if we have everything on earth, if everything is perfect, why
1: do we keep trying to make it better and create something new? Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know. I'm never settled. I never feel settled. Mm -hmm. It's like if, if you're making something you're working on something, I think that there's always, from my perspective, there's always a way to improve on it. Mm. Always. Yeah. But isn't it
0: extraordinary? The minute you taste somebody's whatever, you know, brownies, then you're like, oh, I think I could do better than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or what if I adapt this and I make them keto brownies? Mm -hmm. You know, you just keep on going It means that every time we see something created, we love it and take it in for what it is, hopefully. And at the same time, it opens up this portal of your own qualities and what you're capable of, because that might be the first time you're
1: like, oh, can I do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I love it. I love it. I'm thinking it's because it's not when you see something that somebody else has made and you're like, wow, this is an incredible brownie, for example, but I can't eat it because it has cane sugar. Mm -hmm. And then you take a go at it and you try to make it with coconut sugar because that's what your body can handle. It's so interesting how then somebody else's perfection is not yours. Yes but it may have inspired
0: you yes. to find yours. And the same thing is true in music all the time. I love reading about interviews with uh, performing artists or musicians that I personally uh, resonate with. And then someone asks them, well, who are your biggest influences or who did you pattern your voice after, for example? Mm-hmm. And it's never what you think. Mm. And you just you have to go in your brain and go, Wait a minute. I have to reroute that. What? Their biggest influence was who? Because you may not hear it in their voice or their writing style, but there it is. That's what birthed their own voice.
1: Yeah, that actually reminds me of my husband Mm. because, you know, everybody knows Flea as a rock bassist, so to speak. But when he was growing up, what made him fall in love with music was jazz, And he always thought that jazz was the highest form of music in a sense. It was very smart and he really looked up to, he thought Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and that whole era of musicians were geniuses and and I really do think that they were. But then when he got older and he met his friends and he joined his first rock band And he learned how to play the bass. He had no reference to rock music. He never grew up listening to rock music. So he didn't know any of the famous riffs or the famous things. So the way that he approached the bass was from a jazz background, which is so cool because I really think that that's the thing that makes him special and different in his field is that he's, you know, he's playing. One kind of music, but reference from this whole other genre.
0: Absolutely. It's so inspiring. And and to think of it not as competition, but rather an evolution and springboard, then we would constantly be percolating new concepts based on one another when we're coming from that authentic, whatever it is we have to offer. It, It doesn't
1: matter what. Because truly, all of it is excellent. Why do you think people come from such a place of fear with that? Because I really think that that's what Mm. creates competition. It's like there isn't enough room for all of us to have our own unique and different expressions. So Mm. what is it that makes somebody competitive? I
0: think just observing. There's creating because we have to create. So that means it's coming from uh, a place where we draw our inspiration from. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the difference between creating something and knowing something? I may know about something, but to actually create is a whole different expression. And if I'm trying to compare myself to someone or someone's creation, I'm already it's going to be competitive because that's the in the origin expression. But when you create because you just love to create, so many more things can happen. Mm. Is you have nothing to compare it to. There's no one you're trying to be, quote-unquote, better than. Uh, you're just trying to express your latest
1: incarnation of whatever it is you're doing. So interesting. So when you start to compare yourself to somebody that is the beginning of competition or that creates competition? Absolutely, because mm. it's
0: already internally in you even if you haven't formally announced it. Wow. I've heard so many people talk about how uh, they think competition is healthy, but I think the only healthy competition is competition with your own self mm. to do better. Because you can't really compare yourself to another no matter what. You don't really know their circumstances, their makeup. You don't even know where they are in their lifetime. Mm. You don't have any frame of reference mm. for what someone else has done and where it came from.
1: What about inspiration?
0: I think the more you're in touch with your reality, the more uh, susceptible to inspiration you are. It doesn't have to happen in a specific Studio. I know, for example, you have a studio and you go and design there, um, but I'm sure that you collect your inspirations in your day to day life. Mm-hmm. It could be going to Erewhon, it could be um, looking at something outside your window, like um, when every time you and I talk and that little bird comes out the mm-hmm. window, that inspires me. It, all sorts of things start happening in me. What? I think nature, I think the little bird itself, the beauty of it, the movement of it, the sound of it, everything starts to come alive. I mean, I think inspiration itself is a mystery. Mm -hmm. You know, where does it come from? People quest for inspiration. My gosh, people do drugs for inspiration because (laughs) they couldn't find it in themselves. And so they look for a substance that provides it. But I really do think that inspiration is a mystery. And um, I also think that the more we're aware of the concept of infinity, the less likely we are to ever get
1: bored or feel a dearth of inspiration. Mm. Are you referring to the idea that we come from the infinite? that we are infinite, potentially? Yeah, both. Imagine
0: if we just think we're stuck in this very small dimension on this tiny planet with a vast universe that we don't pay attention to or don't acknowledge as also our environment. That, to me, seems (laughs) counterintelligent, you know? If we in science haven't been able to establish the outer rims of the universe then we, we really, truly are limitless in our range. And then, of course, you and I are always questing for a closer connection to the divine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our personal practices are so that when we're in our concrete lives, there's no limitation. Right. We can be more. We can offer more.
1: Yeah. That's always been a really interesting concept for me, the fact that we are both— you know, that we are Mm. very concrete in the sense that Mm. we're physical, you know, we're physical beings and we're beholden to physical laws and we're so fragile physically. All these things can happen to us, but yet I think true creativity is really being able to access the fact that you come from something completely abstract. We don't know what created us. Essentially, we can only try to know with whatever tools that we have, whatever makes us feel connected to it. And it's so individual, but it's true because if you are able to connect to that infinite part in you, then you're never without resources because there's an infinite number of ways one thing can happen. And I'm always Mm -hmm. struck at how limited we are in our thinking of it, because even, you know, with stupid things like growing up and being like, oh, well, I guess these are the only three options of the jobs that I can have. Or, oh, I guess this is just how it is versus Mm -hmm. going within and exploring the infinite you, you know, of course, in collaboration with the concrete you, but having both. If you think
0: about being connected to the divine in any way, the infinite, you really never attained something. If you Mm. think about it in a concrete way, you'd be like, wow, what a grand loss of time. Why do we do this every day? Why do I bother to form a practice of prayer, meditation, reflection? Where is this going to get me? But it's really about the relationship. And it's about the relationship, you as the concrete vehicle to the divine, which then opens up the divine in you, Mm -hmm. the abstract, infinite in you. And so the goal is just to be in that awareness. Creating is very similar. Have you ever created something just for fun? Like there's no goal, you already have a successful business, but you create things just because. Maybe it's a drawing. Whatever it is that you're interested in, have you ever done it for no purpose whatsoever?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and wh- how do you feel when you do it knowing that you're not doing it for a purpose?
1: So good. That's the point of doing it to for a feeling or to mm-hmm. be in touch with something or to have expressions, outlets of expression of who you are, what you are. So sometimes it's just that. It's like I just need to have a way to express myself. Mm. And touch the intangible Mm. from yourself.
0: And no one will ever know about it but you. Mm -hmm. What an extraordinary experience. And imagine Why in the world would you ever want to compare yourself to somebody else's productivity or process or indispensable practice of the creative? It would actually depress you Mm -hmm. because it's already been expressed.
1: Yeah, I think (laughs) I made this t-shirt once that said compare and despair and it had a picture. It was like a graphic of somebody scrolling on Instagram because I think that's one of the things that social media has created is there's so much content that you're exposed to that it's really difficult, especially as a creative, not to sort of compare yourself Mm. to what other people are doing. So I really try to stay off of scrolling So that I don't get into that holding pattern because we're all sort of vulnerable to it in a way, especially if you're a creative. Exactly.
0: So you have to be present in the process, I think, of inspiration and and creating. And um, if we looked at life as creative, it would just be the practice of life. Because every day presents new opportunities and also a lack of opportunities. It all has to be a process of living in motion. And then when you see other people and what they create, even in their magnificence, even if it's so stunning, it takes your breath away. Mm. Instead of you wanting to have made that or done that or said that or expressed that, you would just truly be in awe of it for what it is, Mm -hmm. someone's real inspired expression. Mm -hmm. I mean, like archetypes in music, like you were talking about Flea's inspiration. I think of some of the classic jazz icons like Dizzy Gillespie, like Louis Armstrong, like Ella Fitzgerald. You can't be another Coltrane. You can't be Louis Armstrong. That's already been done to perfection. Yeah, but you could be inspired by it.
1: Yeah, I hate how music industry executives often say that, like, "Oh, this is the next Amy Winehouse" or "This is Mm. the next so and so," and it's like, no, it's it's them. It's just them. It's Mm. not the next anybody. Right. Well, when our goal is to inspire and to
0: create something that improves. Or is a new rendition or a new expression of something. Even if there's elements of it, kind of like when you make soup, you might use the same ingredients but taste different every time. Mm-hmm. It's not the same soup as before. It has maybe some new fresh herbs in it or you use something else, but you still enjoy it for what it is. And, but the goal is not to sell something. And whenever you hear somebody say, oh this is the next whoever. You know what? They're really just aiming for a sales.
1: Yeah. They're trying to sell it.
0: So that always is what it is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if your friend says you should listen to this album mm-hmm. because I think you're going to love it, that's a whole different recommendation.
1: Yeah. Smishi, you said something else that I thought about. It's when you look at somebody's creation and you feel something from it, isn't it so cool how you can deposit into your creation your intention and your feeling and the the sense of the inspiration? Because I've noticed that there's, you know, objects contain different things or they evoke different things. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain art pieces that really contain the artist, like you feel something, you're moved by it, or songs, and it kind of draws you into your own self and connects you to that. How does that happen with products and art? Sushi, you just said one of the great mysteries that I,
0: it's so crazy years to sing this, I've been thinking about it all week long. Like, you know, when, um, if you have ever heard a piece of music where there's something about it, that exact recording, that puts you in this state of being. Mm. Like, you know, if you put that on, you're going to be all right. Now, the real question is, you've heard the same performer perform it live or maybe even another recording, and it didn't have that magic. What is that mystery stuff? I think that's what we're talking about. Hmm. We don't really know the abstract worlds and what is involved in creating anything. We don't know how to even describe it. But like in paintings or why you feel the way you do could be about you. But if many people feel the same way, then we know it's about the creation that was Created, mm. and I don't know, Smishi. All I know is I love that not everything can be explained. I love the great mystery of life. You know this group of Native American women elders in the South. I think they were called the Southern Seers, if I'm not mistaken. And they used to remind people that in their term for the Great Creator, they call it the Great Mystery and then they would tease people and say remember the great mystery is not to be solved <laughs> i think it's like this when you see something that just like moves you every time and you're like
1: how is this happening you're never going to know it's also really interesting like say you are that musician or you are that artist and you do make that song that everybody resonates to it came from that place of inspiration for you and it really did something for you it's so interesting how people try to trap you there. Miss mm. Lauryn Hill is a great example. Like she created one of the most iconic hip hop albums of all time and then mm. went on to do an acoustic album. And I mm. thought that that was so incredibly brave of her. And actually it's it's my f- personal favorite work of hers, you know, it's the one album that I, I mean, Miss Education was incredible and it, it'll it always have its place, but her acoustic album is what I still listen to regularly, but because it's her and it's so challenging how people try to keep you in that place of what you made money off of or what you're known for, what you're successful for. How do you think that a creative person can get through that or past that? Because Mm. it is really hard. Like sometimes even I feel guilty doing creative things that don't contribute to my business and somehow. What is that?
0: Well, first of all, I think it goes back to uh, material gain. And also when people get to know you, they don't want to lose what you're offering. So crystallizing, you know, no, you are this. So please stick to that. You know, I don't want to lose this. Hmm. My most extraordinary example of what you're talking about in everyday life is when I lived in Eswatini, and I was working as a traditional healer. Uh, I would go on my day off and visit the other traditional healers, and just because we all had different regions that we had to serve the populations and It's lonely work, and it's hardcore, you know? You're just serving the needs of people endlessly. But what I discovered was something totally different. I discovered that each traditional healer had so many talents and so many creative gifts, and they were actually endlessly making things. So this one traditional healer, Catherine would dream of jewelry and dream of clothing, and she would go and find a root, the color of that cloth, dye her cloth that color from that root she dreamt about, and make that outfit, and find the beads, and find the wood to make that piece of jewelry or those earrings. Wow. And just what you're describing when I'd go out there. So we would work and then if there was sort of a lag that day and people didn't come for a little bit, she'd go, do you want to see what I'm working on? Do you want to see what I dreamt? And then show me her beautiful jewelry and clothing. And I would just be like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean you dreamt it? But more importantly... You know, there are not a lot of natural ingredients available there. These trees, these stones, this wood, and so on, right? No. When I looked at her things, it's like I was looking in another world. Like, how? How do you create something that looks so magical, but it's an earring? And she was like, yes, you see the way the sun comes through? See? And everyone I met, it turned out so often that then it became kind of my habit. When I'd go work with a new traditional healer, I'd be like, is there anything you do for fun? Is there anything you create that has nothing to do with medicine and healing the people? And they'd be like, yes. And my my dear friend, Kumbhalive, she figured out, how to create a floor. So uh, in your uh, roundhouse, your rondavel, uh, it's, you know, thatch roof, and then the floor is dirt. But what she did is she created a cement floor, polymers over that. What? And she painted the universe on her floor and then found polymers that actually made the painting 3D. So that when you look down, you think you're looking at the universe and it made it cooler in the hot summer and it made it warmer wow. in the winter. I want to live it's there. It's amazing. But isn't that the quest for everyone? If people can do that without their phones to scroll on, without seeing any, anybody else's work and very little resources, then what's to stop anyone from creating Whatever makes their environment better for them. Yeah. Oh, this is the last thing I wanted to share.
1: Please, please, okay. please. Okay.
0: So back to the beginning in our conversation of when I was noticing this trend in the States of people just really all of a sudden rehabbing their homes or redoing their kitchens, that's because we were going to experience, I knew, a lot of hardship here. Mm. And so here we are today— And recently, I've been reflecting on the very same neighborhoods that did a lot of work on their houses and the kitchens were then used for people who are doing like more family style cooking or recipes or teaching people online how to cook something. And the most extraordinary thing of all is I think that what we're doing is trying to bring heaven true sense of our greatest idea, conception, belief, or remnant of what we can trust as heavenly into our concrete lives. Mm. That's why we're perfecting all these things and creating. I love that. Me too. And then if you love your home, you're really saying you love life. Mm. That's your piece of heaven here. That's your reflection of it, your version of it.
1: Mm. I love that, too. It's funny. I've I've been noticing so many of my friends posting photos of what they've done with their living spaces, and it's truly magnificent. Just with plants and a rug or a throw or candle holders, just the way that they've creatively sort of really made their own little piece of sanctuary. Hmm. They're
0: using these choice pieces, which someone created mm-hmm. that enhances that
1: experience. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: 100%. Remember those rugs you brought back from Morocco? Mm-hmm. The colors and how dynamic they were, and different patterns together in one rug. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what makes you go wait a minute, where did this come from, really?
1: Yeah, and also it's so cool when you learn about the inspiration like with a lot of those rugs they were made by a certain village mm-hmm. that doesn't have electricity and so they used a lot of neon colors because it helps them at night. Oh. So there's all this meaning behind it. That that's what I'm really interested in is all the meaning behind everything. You know, I I spent a little bit of time in North Dakota with the Lakota some members from the Lakota tribe. And it was so cool to know how every single color and pattern and dot had a meaning. It was like, oh, this is the sky. And this is the great ancestor of the river that moves through. And it's just so beautiful Mm. and meaningful. Yes. It makes you realize that's what you're drawn to. You're Mm. like, there's something about this.
0: Absolutely so inspiring (laughs) and i also think that's a perfect example of how a spiritual practice informs the material object Hmm. of the nuances of the practice itself kind of like alchemy yeah it's an alchemy of sorts Mm. it's such a good word i love that i love that
1: word (laughs) I love it.
0: It inspires you, just the word. It
1: is. It's because it lets me know that we're able to transform our circumstance or transform, (laughs) as you say, what we've inherited. Yes. Maybe that's also a parcel with your
0: attraction to certain uh, art pieces or physical objects or anything, a gemstone, which is just a mineral from the earth. You know, it reminds
1: you of how you can evolve your current situation a little bit further. Yeah, it's also so refreshing to know that none of us come from what you refer to as the golden era. You know, it's like we've (laughs) all come from some, excuse my language, S-H-I-T. Like, Mm -hmm. we've all come from it. We all have generations and generations and generations of things that need to be transformed and evolved. And I think when you think of it that way, it almost becomes more of like a privilege, like, oh, I get to be the person where the buck stops here. And obviously I can't take all of this on and my poor kids or whatever the next generation will have to take the rest of this on, but Mm. at least I could do my part with it.
0: Yeah. Maybe also you look at ancient artifacts and museums in a similar way, the message that that they left us, hmm. you know, the circumstances they lived in, they inherited. And the hope it gives us when we see this magnificently carved piece of sculpture uh, from something so ancient when life, when you know what was going on, in that part of the world, in that era, it gives you incredible hope.
1: Totally. I really felt that way when I went to Egypt. I think maybe just because everything is so preserved somehow, Mm. it's so beautifully preserved, and it really blows your mind. What in particular
0: impressed you the most in that way?
1: Well, the pyramids alone, just the mystery, the sheer mystery of it, it made me feel so small. <laughs> but mm. there are a couple things. Um, it was called the Valley of the Kings, I think. Yeah, Valley mm. of the Kings. And it was a bunch of underground, I think they were tombs that they had discovered, and many of them were just perfectly intact. And you would walk in, and the color and the detail... And the design, the way that they had designed these spaces, it felt like so much love had gone into honoring whatever the process was or whatever the thought was about death. It was just ushering whoever this person was into the next world. You could tell that there was a lot that went into it. And so it just makes you think of their tradition and beliefs and Hmm. where they placed importance. And then every single corner was perfectly carved and Hmm. the work was insane.
0: Isn't that strange that we do honor to every person when they pass? Yeah. Yeah. We think of the importance of them and uh, what they meant to us, what they left behind when they pass. Mm -hmm. There was, I think I shared this with you, I was in, I am fascinated. You're talking about the pyramids and uh, the tombs. And I do quite love cemeteries that are very old. I'm so taken with the stories on each headstone Mm. the tombstones tell a great deal and especially the really old ones they'll like tell their how old they lived to be and how many children they left behind or who their loved ones were or maybe a commentary and I was walking through a really old cemetery and there was a priest there and we kind of looked at each other like kindred souls you know we were both there for the same reason And he said to me, notice how all these have something in common. They show you the number they were born, and then there's a dash, and the number they died. He said, how strange we focus on those numbers. I'm more interested in the dash. (laughs) (laughs) And I nodded to him, and I was like, yes, me too. Maybe that's why I'm interested in the stories. Yes, you know, but thinking about in such an extraordinary act of um, respect and reverence is the ancient Egyptian culture, what it's left us with, and our attunement
1: to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so much. I mean, just about astrology and Mm math and beauty. And it's really fascinating. There's so much, so many gaps to fill that for me are so inspiring because I'm like, what was the story? We have like these little nuggets of it, but what were all the dashes about? And I guess that's part of the mystery because so far we haven't
0: uncovered those pieces. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so she um, it makes me question if everybody were involved in some form of creating as it's been increasing here like if you look at the culture in the U.S. which really started as a survival culture what do you think the outcome would be like what could you foresee for this society as I think of us as the uber
1: materialistic society Mm. I agree. I think that it would connect us more. I think that there would be more opportunity for collaboration. I know that anytime I've created something that I've put out there, it's just connected me with so many people and it's connected me to places and topics and things that I didn't even imagine it would. It's sort of like a travel, a form of travel for me, creativity. And Mm I Love the connections that I made. So I feel like it would just create more collaboration and maybe even create more material wealth rather than materialism. Because it's not just about coveting things or buying things to say that, oh, look at this thing that I have or this is who I am. It's not about acquiring, but more so about becoming. I think that's a Malcolm X quote. So, yeah, what do you think, Smushy? First,
0: I think just what you were sharing about how it makes you connected to people on a variety of levels, even in terms of it creates community. You know, the minute you become engaged in learning to do something, all of a sudden you want to meet other people who do it. How did you do it? And what is your secret to this? And totally. I bumped into this problem. And now it's not competitive, but rather sharing Like, oh, let me show you something Mm -hmm, about this. mm -hmm. Oh, and you're like, oh, I wish I had known that back (laughs) in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And also there's a different way you are befriending and being befriended. It's such a not at all based on anything other than this one thing you have in common. And you get to learn about a person through their art or craft. Rather than a distraction you have in common. Totally. Yeah. I love that.
1: That reminds me of, I got to meet somebody that I really admired recently. And I got to meet him because we were both brought in on the same project. And it was so cool because over the course of the last 10 or 15 years, there's so many times where I was supposed to meet this person, every time I was like, ooh, is this going to be the time where I, I get to meet them? And um, I never got to meet them. And then I was brought into this project where I met him finally. And I was so happy that I hadn't met him any of those other times because mm-hmm. there was no purpose Yes. If I had met him earlier, it would have probably just been like a hi, so nice to meet you, or whatever. It would have been a fleeting thing. Whereas now I got to meet him and there was a purpose involved. And it really shifts things when you, especially when you meet people that you admire, or that you know of in the world, and there's an actual purpose there for yes. meeting them. You know, it's like I almost don't want to meet my favorite whoever's unless there is a a specific purpose there for us
0: because that's a creative meeting yes what you have now and I think it's a grave mistake to uh, base relationships on our personas Mm. and I mean I know you and I if we were on our own we're very shy but if we're engaged in what we do we're bold Mm -hmm. but persona wise I'm I'm invisible in a group mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. I think I've experienced so many times when I'm in a crowd of people and people walk right by me because that's my persona they're walking by. But if somebody says who I am to them, they'll, as you know, almost every time they'll come up to me and say, you're Julie Walker? <laughs> and, and They're like so confused because in their mind I would look and act bigger. Different different and so i'm glad we didn't meet as personas
1: yeah i love that about beyonce how she's because she's such a shy and she's shy she's a a shy Mm. person anytime i've seen her in groups she's very sweet and doesn't necessarily manifest as big but then when she's in her purpose, mm. she can command the world, really. It's like every single person has her mm-hmm. attention. And I I can see the struggle with that. And I love that she named her that alter ego, Sasha Fierce, because I was like, wow, that's such a brilliant way of dealing with that for yourself, mm-hmm. because I'm sure there's such a projection on you to always be on. and mm-hmm. But you're Beyonce, and you should always... Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, can I just be normal? You know, can I just yeah. be me? Mm-hmm. It's different. It's people can manifest differently depending on where they're at in themselves or what they've been called to do in that moment, right? Absolutely.
0: I think if everyone had a taste of both sides, we'd have the proper humility when we meet a person mm. and patience. In the hopes that we'll have the opportunity to get to know them.
1: Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> yeah, so sweet. I was just thinking how I don't have a Sasha Fierce, but I have a Smelody.
0: <laughs> what wouldn't you do if you were Smelody?
1: Well, I just hate when Smelody starts talking in my head. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> she puts you down? She puts me down.
0: Oh, no, no need for that. Yeah,
1: she tries to keep me in a place.
0: I don't even need to have an alter ego that does that. I think it's always there. Yeah. I, that's just called my foundation. <laughs> um, but whenever that happens to me, whether I'm creating something or just existing, I always say, hello, old friend. Mm. I know you, mm. but I don't listen to you anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's always freeing to know you're never going to be a part of it. It's never like you're never going to be somebody else, right? You're always going to be you.
1: Yeah. You just don't have
0: to listen to that
1: stuff. Yeah, Swishy, you. you're much more proper than I am. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you tell her. Yeah. Sit down. I have to Sit tell down. her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've read too many Jane Austen
1: books. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Sushi, this was a delight. Yes, it was. It's so great to talk to you, Sushi, about these kinds of things. It feels so good to have real conversations. They're really inspiring. Yes. And they really do help my creativity and my perspective towards it. And I hope it, it helps people, too, kind of listening in to us. I was thinking the
0: same thing. I was hoping that people who are listening are asking themselves the same questions, Mm -hmm. like identifying similar things or new things to create.
1: (laughs) Okay, Smushy. Smushy, I love you. Love you too. Till next time. Okay, Okay. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find The Butterfly Forecast every Tuesday with a new episode available wherever you do your podcasting. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Hope to see you then. We'll see you next time.